I thought I had the perfect setup tonight, right? Because the river's down, there'd be no boats. It's the coolest week we've had in, in some time, right? Still light out, bugs are light. I mean, I thought I had the perfect setup, and there the first boat comes by. You ready to get busy tonight? I'm ready to get busy tonight. I'm glad to be here, glad to uh, spend the evening studying the scriptures with you. I've entitled our time together this evening, A Swift Kick in the Pants. A swift kick in the pants. If you'll take your bulletin, you'll find the one verse that I want to reveal to you here in the scriptures. And it's on there for you, so you don't even need the copy of your Bible. Maybe just a pen, and you can look at it, or you can look it up in the scriptures or on your phone. It's there in 1 Timothy 4.16. And I've again entitled our time together, A Swift Kick in the Pants. When I was growing up, my dad would often use that phrase metaphorically to remind me to focus or when I needed to reestablish my priorities, he would uh, discharge a swift kick in the pants. That's exactly what 1 Timothy 4.16 should accomplish in our hearts as we study um, this evening. Your coaches, your teachers, and your parents will continuously tell you to pay attention. And the reason they do that is because when we are younger, we struggle with paying attention. We struggle with focus. We struggle with uh, priorities. We're often driven. I'm often driven by my gut and impulses. And I should be driven by the will of God and, and by the scriptures. And so there's this continuous battle, like described in Romans 7, the things that I want to do, I don't do, and the things I do, I shouldn't do. And I'm, I'm constantly in that, that tension there, and I need to focus. And that's exactly what 1 Timothy 4.16 points us to do, to focus ourselves this evening. We all, including myself, struggle with focus. We all, from time to time, struggle with priorities. This verse tonight, just a single verse, is spectacular in providing a North Star to, to recalibrate your thinking around the priorities that we need to have. It's a single verse, and it identifies two specific priorities. You'll notice as we work our way through this verse, the stakes are high. As a matter of fact, eternity is in play this evening for some of you. There's a heaven to gain, and there is a hell to avoid. And if you're going to have a long and prosperous life, which is exactly what Solomon talked about in Proverbs chapter 2 and in Proverbs chapter 3, he reminded us in axiomatic form, generally speaking, if you'll do certain things, you will have a long and prosperous life. No guarantee, but... By and large, that's the way the Proverbs are written. By and large, if you follow these priorities, then you're going to have a fantastic life. And you're going to be centered up in the will of God. And you're going to have your priorities straight. Uh, we often say it in our home, you have your, your head screwed on straight, right? It's not crooked like a jar, your head screwed on straight. That's what 1 Timothy 4.16 accomplishes for me and should, I hope, accomplish for yourself. So let's look at it, grab your bulletin, let's read it. And we'll dive in this evening. This is Paul writing to a young man. His name's Timothy. He's just a newly minted uh, lieutenant in the gospel. 
and uh, doesn't have a lot of blood on his uniform, real shiny uh, uniform, doesn't have a lot of experience, right? Not a lot of dirt under his nails. That's who he's writing to. And Paul says to him, hey, pay close attention or keep a close watch on yourself and on your teaching. Persist, key word, underline it, persist in this, for by doing so, you'll save both yourself and others. So pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will both save yourself and your hearers. So if you'll keep that in front of you, we're just going to work word by word quickly through this one particular verse. Let me give you a little bit of context. So we're parachuting right in. We've not been, we've not been studying 1 Timothy together, so we're kind of dropping in. It's, it's late at night. We're dropping in into this verse. So we need a little bit of context uh, that gives you a little bit of color. Instead of the text just kind of being black and white on the piece of paper, let's, let's let it come alive a little bit. Let's surround it with some information that will help us interpret it appropriately and apply it to our lives. First, Timothy, that young lieutenant, is on the struggle bus. He's a young man, right? He's been gripped by fear. We know this because as you read the letter, you, you saw that he struggled with fear. So he's, he's kind of a timid. We, we, we sometimes say he's timid Timothy, right? He's gripped with fear. And it's part because he's going to this killer city called Ephesus. And he was appointed to be their leader in the city. He, he didn't get to choose. There wasn't a search committee. Paul being the apostle that he is, he just says, hey, you're going there and you're going to lead those people. And so he's a young guy. There's lots of older folks in in the city and he's just parachuting in, dropping in and having to lead up to all these people. And that's that's a daunting task. I mean, that's a big big task for him to experience. And so the church of Ephesus gave no input to the hire, no input to the decision. He was just appointed. He shows up you know, on, on a donkey and says, hey, I'm your new leader. And they're like, what? You're so young. What are you going to, what can you possibly tell us? So he's got this timidity going on. He, he, so he's on the struggle bus emotionally. Let's just leave it there. Second, the letter of Timothy itself is full. It's thick with character. It's all about character. When it talks about leadership, it says it's a character profession. As a matter of fact, in 1 Timothy 3, there, there's 15 qualities, and only one of them is an, an action whereby you're called to teach as, a, as an elder or pastor. All others are just character qualities. And so it's a character profession. And so Paul wants the people to know, and he wants Timothy to know, hey, you've got to lead with your character. You have to have a respectable force of, of character in your life. So you lead by example, and it's extremely important. You have a force of character. One writer said it like this. It's not great skill that God blesses. It is great character. It is great likeness to Jesus. That's the kind of person that God first looks for. Doesn't mean you don't have skills. Doesn't mean you're not competent. But it's character, then competence. And that's the proper order. And so that's the emphasis of of 1 Timothy 3. So you can have mad skills, and some of you have mad skills, but if you don't have character to back it up, if you're not grounded, if you're not anchored in your soul and in your character, you're going to be on the struggle bus too. 
It's going to be daunting for you. It's going to be challenging for you. You can't just, you can't just talk a good game. You've got to live a good game. So many people talk a good game, but they don't live a good game. And you're like, ah, they stink, right? They're not that good. Man, they, got, they, they, can, they can jump in the end zone and they can catch a football, but man, they can't walk with Jesus. You know, so it's kind of like, ah, character precedes competence always. And so this is an important piece to understand about 1 Timothy. It's all about integrity. If there was one word I'd want you to capture tonight is the importance of maintaining and sustaining your personal integrity. Paul doesn't want you to burn out. He doesn't want you to flame out. I mean, he wants you to burn red hot for Jesus for a lot of years. And in the way you do that is working strong, working hard at your character. The reason being, you can't take people where you're not going, right? Hosea 4.4 said this. It, it, you can't take people where you're not going. I, if you've never been to, to Rome, you can't lead a tour uh, through Rome because you'd never visited Rome. It'd just be too sterile. Wouldn't it be interesting? You'd just be pointing out facts you read in some book. Now, you want the tour guide when you go to Rome, Italy, you want the tour guide to, you know, have the whiff of what it's like to, 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 to walk in the amphitheater and in the dungeons and, and all the pieces of, of ancient history, right? You want it to come alive. Well, that's the same thing It's true. If you're going to lead others, you, you, got, you can't take them where you're not going personally. It just doesn't work. It's impossible to do that. And so what we say is your private life and your public life has to sync. Right? It has to match up. Character is king. And this is extremely important. And this is the second piece of context that I want you to understand. So, you know, Timothy's on the struggle bus. Character is king. Number three, piece of context. This section, beginning in chapter 4, verse 1, is all about imperatives. Brother Scott, this Sunday, if you were listening and you go to Grace Church of the Valley, you heard him say the difference between imperatives and indicatives, right? Indicatives are what God has done for us. And, you know, you wake up in the morning and you smile and you think, man, God's awesome. And you should, right? And then throughout the day, there's like, oh, but I've got some responsibilities. So those are the imperatives. Well, chapter four, we're entering it now. We've just kind of got on the porch here of chapter four. It's full of them. As a matter of fact, there are 11 imperatives, imperatives in this section. And the one that the final one, the 11th one, is in verse 16. And it is this imperative pay attention, rivet yourself, grip, grasp, hang on to, pay attention, keep a close watch over, right? That's the 11th imperative. So there's tons of imperatives. And I, I think what's happening in our modern context, people want to lighten up a little bit, right? So they just kind of lean in, they shoulder into the indicative. And you could tell Scott's like this. He's wild and crazy. We're like shouldering into the imperatives, right? Because there's responsibility. And we want to be balanced. Blessed are the balanced. Should have been in the Beatitudes. It wasn't. Let me add it. It's the 11th Beatitude, right? Blessed are the balanced. Like we're leaning into both because that's the kind of students we want to have here at River of Life. So indicative and imperative. But this text, it's killer. It's like loaded with imperatives. Fourth and final piece of context. See what I'm doing? You're getting excited. I can tell. You're kind of like, well, we're getting there. We're getting there. We're just doing one verse, and you can't even get to the verse. Like, it's crazy. The dude's crazy. All right, four. Number four, there's a real tension in the text. When you read it, you feel it. 
pay close attention to your to yourself and, and, and to your teaching or to your doctrine is a better translation. Persist in this, for by doing so you'll say both yourself and your hearers. There's there's a tension, and the tension is this: you're in Christ, right? If you've if you've been forgiven of your sins and, and, and you're a Christian, you're in Christ, but you're now still remaining in this flesh and you still sin, right? As Kevin DeYoung put it, there's always a hole in our holiness. That's that Romans 7 kind of moment that we all struggle with. So we're declared righteous, we're forgiven of our sins, but yet we still sin. I mean, you've got to work through that. That's a, that's a heavy tension that we have to live with. There's a hole in our holiness. And what you see here in 1 Timothy 4.16 is the clear call, the North Star, to make sure that you live an exemplary life, an unimpeachable life, right? So that's the clear expectation, yet sin abounds. And I sin all the time, and you sin all the time, and so you're like, okay, I'm supposed to live an exemplary life, but I still sin. And I don't know if you feel that. I mean, I feel it every single day of my life as I, as I battle to, to, to live an exemplary, simple life you know, holy, chaste kind of life. And the solution to that tension is actually north one verse. So you have 1 Timothy 4.16. Look at verse 15. You don't, some of you don't have your Bible, so let me read it for you. Listen to this. Take pains with these things. Be absorbed in them. Here it comes. So that your progress will be evident to all. Folks, Students, I'm not after perfection. I'm after progress, right? It's, it's grace-induced progressive sanctification. That's what I'm after. Are you perfect? No. Will you ever be perfect in this life? No. But what we are saying is as a student ministry, as, as a river of life person, you, you should desire progressive sanctification. And so we're not saying it's the perfection of your life. We're saying it's the direction of life. Where are you heading? Do you have your head on? Do you need a quick, you know, kick in the pants? Do you need a swift kick in the pants? And so when I always look at it, I'm always checking myself. I'm always examining myself because the Bible says to in, in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, it's always telling me to do that. And, and, and so I'm constantly do that. And, and I'm, I'm always examining, is there any pattern of sin? I mean, sustained, I just keep repeating and repeating. I can't, I can't shake it kind of thing. That gets concerning, right? That's going to take some, some extra effort. So there's a difference. I often say this because I think it's important. There's a difference between having a bad day, which we all have, and I'm a leader of the bad day team. There's a difference between a bad day and a bad year. You have a bad year, something's not right. You can have a bad day. So that's the tension. So here's Paul telling Timothy, hey, you better pay close attention to your life and to your doctrine. Why? Because it's so important. You want to persist in them because it, it's going to save yourself and it's actually going to have an impact and, and save others. And so I love that in verse 15, he deals with the tension. It's all about progress. So those are the four pieces of context, right? And as you kind of get through there, and we're up on the porch now, you can kind of hear in the background, let's get ready to rumble. That's what happens in the text. It's just like calling us in. It's going to draw us in. So you ready to get busy? Ready to get after it? Take a look at it. Now, I feel like Russell Crowe in a beautiful mind here. So just let me have a moment, okay, so that you can kind of get the big picture. So let's go 32,000 feet, overlay it, and we'll get down to 3,000 feet. First, there's one imperative. We've already said this. 
pay attention. Or on your bulletin, keep a close watch. You could say this is a message about watchfulness. That would be uh, perfectly fine and perfectly true. So there's one imperative. There are two arenas. Do you see the two arenas? Your life and your doctrine. Right? Pay attention. Your life, doctrine. And then there are two incentives, motives for doing what we do and making these our priorities. Why? What are they? You will save yourself and you will save others. So one imperative, two arenas, three incentives. I can just see myself. If I had a chalkboard, I'd be going for broke up here, just kind of drawing it all out. And there'd be pluses and minuses, but we don't have that. So you get the picture. Why? Why is this such a signature text? Why is this such an important text to us this evening? Here's why. Listen, look up. Because you're being hunted. First Peter 5 says the devil goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. You are currently, young man, young woman, being hunted. This keeps you moving. This keeps you from getting eaten by the devil himself. This keeps you walking in holiness. This keeps you centered. It keeps you anchored. It's this verse and many others, but this verse is like the top because it's so simple. It just says, hey, as a young person, these are your priorities. Like you don't even have to think about, like what's my priority tomorrow? What's my priority on Saturday morning? Bingo, right here in 1 Timothy 4, 16. So this one verse has one imperative, two arenas, two incentives. I'm gonna break it up in two simple clauses though for you to remember. So you don't even have to write it down. It's so simple. Here it is. First, pay attention to your life. Pay attention to your life. The second is pay attention to the scriptures. Pay attention to your life. Second, pay attention to the scriptures. Now, 99% of the time, if I were standing up here, or Shay was standing up here, or Brother Scott was standing up here, you know, or if Andy was standing up here teaching you, we'd be telling you, students, die to yourself. Don't pay attention to yourself. Die to yourself. That's 99% of the time you hear it. On one occasion in Scripture, it says, pay attention to yourself. It, it gives us the grace and the freedom to make sure that we do focus on our integrity. We do focus on how we live. And here is the place, 1 Timothy 4, 16. Pay close attention to yourself. It's a special place, right? That's why I said this text is spectacular, right? You're to guard your life. You're to pay attention. We're called to live an exemplary life. This is ground zero for character for me. I mean, this text, it, it, it just rings out in my mind. It's easy to memorize. I would ask you to commit it to memory for sure. It's easy to memorize. It's, it's harder to apply, but it's easy to memorize. Now, there was a time a few years back when I was listening to the radio. You don't know what a radio is. But back in the olden days, when Jesus walked on the earth, he had radios. And I was listening to the radio, and this old guy, Chuck Swindoll, I call him Chucky, Chuck Swindoll was working through this passage, and it got my attention. It got my attention so much that I actually pulled off, because I remember I pulled off on the side of the road, and it was kind of dirt, and it, was just, it just captivated me. And he took this verse, and he says, listen, we are tempted in four primary areas. 
And I want to give those four areas to you from Chuck to you through me. This is, these are the four areas that you're going to be tempted to, to, to let down the guard and blow up your life where your life becomes a dumpster fire. So I want you to know what they are. There are many other areas that you can do this with, but in particular, there are four that we need to pay close attention to. The first, and they're all S's, so you can remember this too. The first is slothfulness, laziness. He said this is the first big area. As a young person, you're tempted with being slothful. These are, these are areas that you could shipwreck your life. So what happens when you get lazy is you begin to coast on your talent, on your competence, on your skill. Remember, it's great likeness to Jesus that God blesses, but you then lean into your capacity. You lean into your skill, right? And you coast on your giftedness, on your past experiences. You become undisciplined. The result of that is sloppy living. And so I heard that and I was like, man, and I wrote it down on my heart. I don't want to be lazy. I don't want to be sloppy when it comes to spiritual things. I want to be on my A game when it comes to spiritual things. I don't want to be spiritually lazy. The second S, silver, silver, money. The love of money, the pursuit of money, the love of money. Look, it's simple. Students, you can't serve two masters. You'll love the one, you'll hate the other. And a lot of the time, what happens is when you have both, we, we run to money and we don't love God. And that's, that's tragic, right? That, that's, it's just never going to work out. So it, we just can't be driven by it. You have to recalibrate your thinking. Life is not about money. We love people and we use things. We never love things and use people. That just doesn't work in the faith at all. And so he said, listen, if you want to shipwreck your life, love money more than people, more than gospel, more than God. Third, self, pride. The mother of all sins is pride. It was the first sin that ever was committed, right? It's trying to make yourself great. Instead of making Jesus famous, you try to promote yourself and make yourself famous, right? We, we all attempted to do that. We, we, you know, we catch ourselves doing it. We, we hopefully stop doing it. But, but it's just a real tempting thing to be full of ourselves. So self, third, I mean fourth and final S would be sex. Any and all forms of destructive immorality, right? We're called to live a pure and a chaste life. You're high school students. We can talk about this, right? And it's accessible. It's anonymous, right? It's addicting. It's digital. It's physical. It's mental. It's everything. The word he uses is just general, just any and all forms. You're just going to be tempted to do that. And you want to shipwreck your life is that you engage in that all forms of it. And Satan, man, he's hunting us. He knows what, these are the four big areas that we're all tempted in, right? We're all there. And these are provocative days. These are hard days. I mean, it's a mess. It's a huge problem. It's temptations abound. I mean, everywhere you look, everywhere you go. And so you've got a battle to live a chaste life. And this is why the scriptures, when it comes to sex, always says, flee, flee youthful lust, run, as far and as fast as possible. So these four S's are where we're tempted the most and the chances of shipwrecking our life could happen. Now you'll spend a lifetime building integrity. It only takes one really bad decision 
to destroy all of that hard work in the gospel, all of that hard work of sanctification. We want you, that's the purpose of Revival, to not have that hard decision, to not make that bad decision and shipwreck your life. And so those are just four examples. There are many others that you should focus on when you think about your character. There's more, but those are, in my opinion, the top four. So guard yourself against these kinds of temptations. Well, you can't have character and you can't have life without doctrine, right? Without the scriptures. It's impossible. They're two sides of the same coin. You have life and the scriptures or life and and doctrine. They're inseparable. They're inseparable twins. You You can't separate them. They're two sides of that same coin. A solid life comes from sound doctrine. That's why they're together in the text. Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. This word teaching is doctrine. It's shorthand for the scriptures, Timothy, right? How shall a young man keep his way pure by keeping it according to the word of God? One author put it like this, watch them equally and watch them closely. You can't have one without the other. You're not going to have a fantastic Godly, exemplary life without the aid of the scriptures. It tells you how to live. That's why we're even in this imperatival section. All right, second principle. You ready for it? So you're paying close attention to your life, right? Now, pay close attention to the scriptures. Guard the scriptures. You must make the scriptures a priority. That's what we're talking about tonight. What are our priorities as young people? What are our priorities as high school students? Here they are. Your integrity and your proper care and attention to the scriptures. I'm not going to shame you tonight about reading your Bible and you're going to go to hell if you don't read your Bible. I'm not going to do that. I'm just telling you, God wrote one book. You ought to know it, right? I mean, I have a ton of books. A lot of us around here on the perimeter have a ton of books. I read all the time, but there's only one book that's daily, right? There's only one book that's living. There's only one book that that gives you a swift kick in the pants. There's only one book that can cut you, actually, right? It it can fillet the soul. It's so beautiful and so awesome. And so I want you, as young people, to establish those disciplines that you're a lifetime learner of Scripture. You're never going to outgrow this book. This isn't like the, the USA Today or the, the Wall Street Journal and you give it a good once-over and you throw it in the trash. Oh, no. It's every single day. It's, it's your treasure. It's, it's your joy. It's, it's sweeter than the, the honeycomb itself. As a fact, matter of fact, the early Christians in Acts 2.42, it says they were devoted to the Scriptures. I mean, they were all in. And so I just want to challenge you that if you're going to live an integrity-filled life, a gospel-centered life, then it's going to be commensurate with your intake of Scripture. You can't do them without each other. They're, they're together. They're, they're, they're twins. And so I want you to love the authority of Scripture, and I want you to love the sufficiency of Scripture and how it changes our life. If you're looking to hear from God, open your Bible. Meaning it's tempting sometimes, like, what does God want me to do? What's my next move? Life's a big chess game. What is what's the next move? If you want to hear from God, open His Word. He will tell you clearly in His Word. It's not mystical or weird. It's just simply studying God's Word. John 8 says, you shall know the truth. 
The truth will set you free. My favorite, one of the clutch verses in the Old Testament is Isaiah 66 too. Because in that verse, it says, what kind of teenager does God look for? Let me read it to you. What kind of teenager is God looking for? Listen to this. To one who is humble in spirit and trembles at my word. It's as if this 1 Timothy 4.16 was written thousands of years before in Isaiah 66.2. What kind of teenager does God look for? What, is, what gets God's attention? You want to get God's attention? I do. You want to get God's attention? It's when you're humble. You have character, right? A respectable force of character as a young person, and you tremble at God's word. Put those two together. That's 1 Timothy 4.16. So I'm saying this is, this is not just a, a thin piece of Scripture. This is all through the Scriptures, right? This book contains the words of life. It's a lamp to your feet, the psalmist said. It's sweeter than the honeycomb, David said. It keeps your way pure and clean. It keeps you chaste, Psalm 119, right? This book brings clarity. It makes wise the simple. I mean, this is the book. And, and I know you hear it all the time from, from Shay and, and from Scott and from Blake and the whole team and your pastors that are around the valley. I know you hear it all the time, but I'm telling you, you you've got to love this book. This book is, is critical. I plead with you to study your Bible. I'm not saying you have to read all of the book of 1 Timothy tomorrow morning and get freaked out and weird. Just read a piece of it. Just dive in. You can, you know, you can jump in and it's like a puddle and you just splash around or you can dive in and never touch bottom. It'll go as far as you want to go. It'll take you further than you could ever dream of going. I'm just here to tell you, as we wrap up River of Life, as we kind of come to the end, we, we're, we just want to, this is one big exclamation. Young people, pay attention to your life and to the sacred scripture. One writer said, this book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book, right? It's powerful. This book will either, either keep you from sin or sin itself will keep you out of this book. I can tell you when you're drifting away from the Lord, you don't, you don't frequent the scriptures. You don't ransack your Bible. You don't think, well, God's talking to me because you're reading the scripture. No, no, you're heading downstream, right? You're heading downriver. That's first clue. Oh my goodness, I'm away from the scriptures. I've gotten too far from the scripture. And that's what happens. Sin makes you stupid, makes me stupid. And the first thing we, we let go is what? The word of God. We're like, duh, McFly, come on. You, you, you gotta know this stuff, right? This is not that complicated. I'm, it, it's not that complicated. So there's one imperative, two arenas, your life and the scriptures. That's what I want. Those are your two priorities as a high school student, life and doctrine, the scriptures. Now, what's the motive? You, you really want to do this? You, you, what's the motive here for you to do this? Beyond me appealing to you and beyond us regularly challenging you, right? Beyond River of Life tomorrow, what's going what's gonna to motivate you? Remember I said in the beginning, the stakes are high? Take a look at it. Verse 16. Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Persevere, persist in them. For as you do this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Yourself. 
You'll save yourselves. What is he talking about? Well, we know that only God saves. That's patently clear, right? He says we persevere. You'll persevere all the way to eternity. You'll manifest to everyone else that you are in Christ, that you know Christ, right? It's the single most important decision you make is giving your life to Christ. And then what happens is you persist in those things. This is why Paul uh, said, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You're just constantly persevering. And he who began a good work in you will continue it all the way to the end. It's just confirmation that I want to know God that I want to pursue God, that I want to hunger after God, that I want to be in red-hot pursuit of God. It's just confirmation. You'll know that you're, you're in Christ by your perseverance, that you have true saving faith, that you're going to finish strong and you're striving. God is faithful to make you like Jesus, and he will Work that out in your life. And so when you pay close attention to yourself and you pay close attention to the scriptures and then you persist in them, you dig in and you anchor down and you get a grip on that, then what's going to happen is you're going to be confident that I'm in Christ and I represent the king and I, I know King Jesus. And so you save yourselves. Second, you save others. Look at, Look on your sheet. You save both yourself and your hearers. You see, the people will see your life. Remember when it sinks, it's private, your private life and your, your public life, they sink up. When they see that, you know what they're going to think? I want what they got. And you know what that, that is. It's Jesus himself. And so it's part of our responsibility, right, that you're going to go back to high school this this, in, in, in probably 30 days, you're going to be back in high school and you have a responsibility to live an exemplary life and to love the scriptures, right? It's what makes us bold. It's what makes us be ambassadors of Christ. It, it's what, what makes us tell people that they need to trust Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I love the simplicity. It's a North Star for me. It realigns all my priorities. When I get wonky and weird, I run to 1 Timothy 4.16. Pay close attention to yourself and to your, the scriptures, right? Persist in those things. If you do it, then you'll not only save yourself and bring evidence that you're truly regenerate and truly in Christ, but you're actually going to have an impact on everybody that's around you. It's fantastic, Fantastic. Spectacular text. Simple, right? I mean, it wasn't complex. We got it, right? We nailed it. Now we got to live it. I don't know if you're in Christ or not. I would hope that you're all uh, Christians, but I just want to remind you what that means. Real simple. If you just remember these three things, God loves, sin separates, Jesus saves. God loves you. Sin separates you and alienates you. We, we dealt with this in junior high uh, just a few nights ago. We, we dug deep. Man, it was awesome, right? Sin separates. Jesus saves. There's the gospel. And if you've never trusted the Lord and Savior for the forgiveness of sins here at River of Life, we'd want you to know that. We want you to trust Christ. You can talk to any of the leaders. We're going to go into small group. You just pop your hand up and say, hey, I need Jesus. 
I need what that guy's talking about. I need a North Star. I need to get my priorities straight. I need to get my head screwed on right. That was a sure, swift kick in my pants, right? That's what we're talking about. I want to encourage you to trust Christ tonight. Now, here's what the devil's going to do. He's just going to tell you tomorrow. Do it on Sunday. Now, do it Saturday afternoon, 3 o'clock. Why? Because he procrastinates. He's a procrastinator. He wants you to put it off. Tomorrow is the devil's day. Today, right now, tonight at River Life is the moment. It's God's day. And he wants you to trust Christ. I don't know if you're in Christ or not. If you're in Christ, you have this text as a priority, as a North Star for you. If you don't know Christ, our recommendation is for you to first embrace Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and then this verse will come alive, right? It'll go from just black and white and, yeah, it's okay, he's a little crazy, but it's okay, but to like, man, this is amazing. This is life-directing, right? I want you to trust Christ, if at all possible, this evening. If the Spirit of God's working in your life, just seek someone out, me, Shay, anybody. Sound guy, it doesn't matter. We can all just introduce you to him. You know why? Because we know him. And we'd be glad to talk to you about it, okay? You know your North Star? You got our priorities straight? I got a swift kick in the pants, and I was kind of preaching myself under conviction a little bit. All these things like flood my mind. Hey, what about this, Turbo? Like, well, why do you do that? You're so cool, huh? You want some? That's all happening up here. I'm under this too, so let's all pray, and I'll pray for you guys and me. How's that?